We are babies. What were we thinking? We tried to make a podcast about strange old cartoons. How lame could you get? Where are you going? I'm going to record on twos. I suck. podcast title or um, watched it literally yesterday uh you may not know is the best line from monster house yeah yeah I, well i mean i like the uvula line but this is this is the second time you're recording this so you know i'm gonna shoot you down both well times. yeah yeah uvula joke nothing in comparison the I delivery of fun. that i mean it, it was it was fine it was, they used it, was... it in all the trailers <laughs> they did did you watch this when it came out no I no, I haven't this, seen like, this before theaters. now. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, so I'm I'm glad I'm going to be able to provide the alternate perspective of this as a child, especially with like some of the stuff that we'll get into later about it. And uh, but uh, just kicking it off, what'd you think? Um, I I liked it. It it kind of was in that just like like it's a fine thing to watch, but it's not. Yeah, it's not amazing. It got nominated well, for an Oscar, and I was very confused. Really, what? Like best animated feature or whatever. Yeah, best animated feature, which wow. like it's a narrow field, so sure. you know you just get stuff that just goes in there all the time. And I forget what's the release year on this one. Is it like two thousand two thousand six? Even earlier. Wow. So two thousand six, I was eleven when this came out, which is kind of what I thought because I remember watching it and being like nearly the exact same age as the characters in the um in the film, which is is a funny perspective to watch any film by. And um, there's a, a lot of analogies for me to this, to like um, some of the Harry Potter movies and other things where it just like, I was like at that age or I was hitting the same age range as the characters for like many movies and yeah. watching their experiences portrayed on film at the same time that I was sort of experiencing like similar things was, was a very wild experience. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I probably have a lot of, similar ones for other you know anime like toy story i guess i was probably oh, about true. the same age as andy when i watched I that initially i'm um, woody because you're uh yeah yeah 100 years I, old I, and infinite mm -hmm. i identify a lot with that toy um i do have a string on my back and if you pull it <laughs> i complain about snakes in my boots <laughs> well that's why i said it they get in there a lot it sucks um so i thought it was like pretty good with like distinguishing moments of being like what the fuck is this movie doing um but but like the primary like first third of it is so solid like um the way that they introduce each of the characters and mm -hmm. like have this like dynamic of um uh dj starting out watching the house and like um one thing that i really enjoyed about it is that it felt like sort of the greatest hits of horror movie tropes Right, where you're level. starting out with uh, uh, a disturbia rear, rear window. window. Yeah. I can't believe I just freaking said disturbia instead of rear window. I'm disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even know disturbia. It's like, a remake of rear, of rear window <laughs> with um, Shia LaBeouf as the main character. <laughs> well, so, For some reason, I'm thinking of the movie Swim Fan. What is that? I don't. It, it was a movie about... A, someone who stalks someone else yeah that'll happen yeah um and then it gets into um i don't know the like 
old haunted man or that like the old man is the haunted character um, well the uh, and the first shot is a reference to um the shining oh that's a really good point with, with the with tricycle the yeah totally um and uh i gotta i gotta say so one of the core premises of this is that there's this old man in this house and every time something touches his lawn um it belongs go, to him yeah. now. Oh, and he, he, he screams at them. He, he takes it and it disappears. Yells at um, yells at them in a way that's like, "Do you want to die?" Like yeah, cons- consistently threatening their consistently life. Consistently is like, "You will fucking die if you I get close you. to my house." Yeah, but um, he well, never says he that never he's says that going to kill them. Specifically, he never says that. Um, how? Where are the? Where's the community here? I don't know. Nobody gives a shit about these kids, which is like also kind of an experience of children. But when ostensibly, like, we're led to believe that that old man is dead, and nobody is like, it, it, you, they have to tell everyone, right? Like, I don't know if this is like maybe this is legitimately just what happened before next door. You know, is that yeah, this guy would keel over and um. Nobody would be like, ah, just leave. Just, hey, can you just leave him alone? Can you? I don't want to deal with this. You don't want to deal with this. Can you just stop talking about or to him ever again, so I don't have to right. think about this anymore? Like I could legitimately see. Like we have um like uh, a couple of of bad experiences with a neighbor in in our neighborhood, <laughs> and I could totally see like if there were children in this neighborhood, everyone just being like, listen, just don't. Just don't just bother don't. with him. Just, just he's it, just let him be dead. Yeah, exactly. And when you, especially when you get that old of just being like, listen, it's not worth our our time because like at some point this will work itself out. Yeah, but, um, it doesn't because that man can't die apparently. Um, no. Oh, and then, anger, uh, anger will just keep people alive for the longest time. That is the lesson of this movie. Yeah, far and above anything else. Um, it really is. <laughs> so, to, so thinking about a little bit like things that they used animation for that like felt different. So first up, I would say I was just I really wanted this to be claymation the entire time I was watching it, and it really was. It had a weird feel to it, and yeah, part of that is that they were using the same like mocap technology that they used. It Zemeckis is a ep on this he's a executive uh, producer uh zemeckis and spielberg are both executive producers on this they yeah. used the same technology that they used for uh the uh the ebon what's the ebenezer scrooge one uh ebenezer oh um ghost of christmas past what's the name yeah. of that thing a christmas story yeah oh. a christmas story carol Christmas Carol. Uh, Christmas Carol, yeah, Christmas Carol and uh, Polar Express. Oh, like that Why same. This... this looks so much better than either of those movies, though. I think it's because it's stylized because they weren't That's going for it. yeah. Because fucking Polar Express. Oh, and Beowulf too. They used this on, but in two thousand seven, and right. apparently they didn't learn the lesson that you need to just <laughs> fucking stylize things to make them okay. actually look all right. People hated Beowulf when it came out. That's funny. Yeah. Um, the stylization was pretty good. Like, I liked the character designs. Um, they were a little bit, like, 
I don't know. It, it is that feeling of like, this should be claymation. It has like a similar texture. Like everything has. Yeah. Everything has a texture, same texture to it. Like, but it's the same. Yeah. And I wanted it to be literally tactile. Um, they did some cool things with it and some cool things with the stylization. Like I really liked how they did like the various pipes and like dirt textures and things like oh, that. Yeah. Like, there's that shot when they're first encountering the house with, um, with all three characters where they splice into the ground a little bit and show you some of the dirt and some of the pipes running through it. I thought that was really, really good. I felt as um, though they should have gone back to that shot later. I so too. Yeah. It felt like a good establishing and then maybe a good closing shot. Like it would have been cool if as uh, spoilers for later in the movie, I guess uh, as the, the house is like really tearing itself up and transforming they'd cut back Mm -hmm. to that and watch the trees rip out of the ground or something yeah i i mean i was thinking more for like subtle stuff like pulling stuff into the ground it'll be good or the like um uh, where where it pushes up the concrete pads to carry yes yeah yeah Yeah, that was rad that was very cool but like obviously the house is the star here like the house yeah. is just the best part of this movie. It's the coolest thing in the movie. It's not aside even from the um the dummy that they make out of a vacuum cleaner, <laughs> which was also really good. Um, yeah, I I've played at this point like four D and D campaigns that have all featured a monster house that plays by the exact same rules as this house because it is one of the coolest characters. I've yeah, because it's cinema. amazing. It, yeah. Well. D and D has had a monster that was called called a house hunter like since uh, long before this came about. That's funny. I didn't know that. Well, it's um, that whole idea where it's like, oh, everyone likes mimics. What if they yeah. were fucking big? Make big mimic. Make big mimic. Yeah. No, we do love mimics um, of all shapes and varieties in this house. Mm-hmm. And this house is a monster, also. Yes. Um, I just took a couple more notes of of different like um tropes that i saw there's like the freddy krueger hand when he's um like half dreaming half having a nightmare about the house mm-hmm. and it like extends up and then um the oh i just wanted to say the phone call um scene was really really well done um where he he uses like star 69 to call back the house and then you can yes. hear it ringing in the house yeah that was that was brilliant. great that's just good writing like that's just thinking about your world and using the tools in it um, also that was well, did did we want to go like through plot wise? Because I was yeah, wh- gonna say like that's where they that's introduced uh, bones. I think. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted him dead, and he wanted... got killed almost immediately, which was <laughs> awesome. In my notes, well, let's see. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> it's just I want to murder bones. Right. <laughs> and the house being, of course you know, our cipher in this movie uh, just did what we wanted. And that's that's like the core of my problem with this movie is that I want the house to be the protagonist and they don't let the house be the protagonist. Because <laughs> like that, these kids are fine. They're doing their best, whatever. Um, I also made a note that Bones is wearing docks and I, mm. I, I just thought that was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, uh, so the let's let's rewind a little bit. Um, the the plot is is that it is um it's the night before no it is the n- night yeah it's, it's the, the night, night before Halloween night before Halloween and all through yeah. the house not a creature is stirring <laughs> but the house is stirring slightly um, the house is because it's gonna eat a fucking tricycle um and uh it yeah literally opens on a kid 
like extremely um, stereotypically riding a trike through a neighborhood. Um, I thought this yeah. was a very excellent portrayal of a child just like dooting around singing. Um, it's ex- that it is was exactly it was what great because it, yeah, it it felt like a parody of you know a real thing. Yeah, it was great. Um, and then she somehow gets stuck on the on Nevercracker, who is the um the the crotchety old man who lives in the titular monster house mm-hmm. um gets stuck in his lawn and is like pedaling furiously but not going anywhere and this guy just like bowls out can't of his get house traction. screaming she can't get traction and he like freaks out at her says the thing that he loves to say to children yeah. do you want you want to die, die? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to die <laughs> and then she freaks out stumbles backward he grabs the tricycle fully like hulks rips it in half pulls the front wheel yeah off. just tears the front wheel off of there <laughs> and then um she runs away and he throws it in the house mm-hmm. and uh, never uh, her by the way steve buscemi of course of course and he kills it he does a great oh job. yeah yeah he's doing a good job here Gets i have to imagine beats. this is a, a bit more star-studded of a cast than our our typical so show. just because spielberg's involved there's some serious money involved it feels like they were able to get stars to show up for like one day of recording and for everything else they got a bunch of like people from disney xd shows and shit like that which is probably the right call like especially for the probably for um for jenny dj and chowder like you don't want yeah really pay (laughs) extraordinary amount for child actors in any circumstance right um Anyway, DJ, this is when we're introduced to the main protagonist, DJ, who has been watching this the entire time. Um, yeah, he who's has played like by Mitchell Musso, who, uh, like I said, Disney XD shows and stuff like that, and really hasn't been in anything big since. Are you not? Are you? Are you saying that a pair of kings is not big? I I've never heard of it. I think it's a, a King of Queens spinoff series. God, that looks awful. That sounds bizarre. Why would yeah. you? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess it was successful, but um, are Miley Cyrus and Mitchell Musso still friends? In August 2018, Musso shared a throwback photo of himself, Cyrus, and the Hannah Montana cast. Oh boy! Uh, uh, it seems like Musso and Cyrus are still friends, despite the lack of in public person appearances over the over the years. Well, that's that's good. Hmm. <laughs> good for them. Good for them. Uh, take it away. Uh, yeah, so DJ's spying on the house um, with a telescope, and then his parents pop in, and they're like, oh, are you spying on that house again? And he's like, yeah, he just stole a tricycle from a child. And they're like, we don't, we can't possibly be to care about yeah, that. We don't give a shit. We're going to our dentistry convention. Yeah, carrying around giant teeth. Which I feel as though that wasn't, like, really explained <laughs> No, it didn't mean to be. It's just like, like it's just implied because <laughs> they're carrying around gigantic prop dentistry stuff and yelling about who's got the molar. Mm-hmm. It's a good time. I like that. It is weird that they pulled attention towards the character's teeth in this because, like, that's one of the things that 3D animation, like, that I always notice with 3D animation is that the teeth look wrong. <laughs> Um, they all do in this entire movie. They're like a little bit too gray and everybody's teeth in this movie, like for better or worse, are like weird and different, mm-hmm. which 
I think it's generally a good plan because like I, I feel like I notice in like kids shows when everybody's teeth are exactly the same. Yeah, when they just had the exact strange. same teeth. Yeah, and um, especially Nevercracker's got those brilliant old man teeth. I actually like his design a lot. Yeah. But, um, oh, and then the, the the kid in the beginning too had had like a bunch of missing teeth. Yeah, but it it also like doesn't really detract from it too much because it's stylized. Yeah. It's... Stylization just fixes everything. Right? So they're leaving and they're leaving him with his uh uh babysitter Z played by I Maggie Gyllenhaal. First... Oh my god, really? She looks like Maggie Gyllenhaal too. That's funny. Yeah. Um I thought for the first like 5 minutes of that scene that he had another brother because I was like in what world would you hire a babysitter still for like a 12 year old? For your one kid. Yeah, for your one 12 year old. How much trouble are they going to get into? But... Uh, a lot, apparently. Well, there's not usually a whole Like a fair amount. House. Someone handed him dynamite. Like, that's people. True. Just, that's just like hanging around in the neighborhood. <laughs> and cops like threatening to shoot him. The cops really like, wanted to shoot him. We should let's let's jump forward a little bit. So, um, yeah, he's he's obsessed about this house, and then um, yeah, they introduce Chowder by hitting them with uh, hitting hitting Chowder with a car, um, it, which was great. Which was great. I like Chowder. And Chowder like, is like the archetypical comedic relief character. Yeah, I remember it being a kid and watching this for the first time. Just just like really thinking he was the funniest person on the planet and like even though i don't find anything that he says funny anymore there's still that like residual nostalgia of like i remember when i enjoyed this it's like remembering enjoying the first transformers movie you know and then yeah and then watching it again and being like what why i'm in pain (laughs) (laughs) but still being able to like remember that you did enjoy something as a child yeah so clearly clearly his his once i enjoyed this And then uh, apparently the Uvilla joke still hits Will where where it needs to, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and they play basketball, yeah, because Chowder got a new basketball, and then mm-hmm. uh, he takes a terrible shot, it ricochets, and somehow manages to fly like a hundred feet. How did that happen? Anyway, yeah. Oh man, he's got lands. some fucking arms on him. Kid has a fucking future in in beatball. Cannon. He's gonna be sinking him from fucking mid court. He might do better in water polo, though. Maybe. Um, anyway, it lands like, smack up in the middle of Nevercracker's lawn, and they're like, oh, my God. They say, uh, DJ says the line, your ball doesn't exist anymore, and I like yeah. that. <laughs> also, there was the line, I had to, I had to, I paid $28 for that ball. I had to <laughs> mow lawns and beg my mom for a dollar 26 times. I've never worked harder for anything. Yeah. <laughs> And, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's why Chowder is just a good character. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and DJ, um, one of one of the plot points is that he is currently experiencing puberty. Uh, his voice is cracked mm-hmm. a couple times, and he's like, "I am the big man now." And so, one of the ways he's trying to prove that to himself is that he's going to go get the ball. Um, yep, he takes a couple steps forward, and um, uh, Nevercracker runs out, out of his there. House again. Yep, <laughs> and um. So Trip, he, trips falls over and apparently dies. Well, no, he um he doesn't trip and fall over. He or, like oh, picks yeah. up DJ. He, he yeah. picks him up and is like screaming at him, doing his thing. Which again, 
This dude's got fucking arms. He can rip a trike in half. He can pick up an 11-year-old child mm-hmm. like it's nothing. He's got the skinniest arms, but his hatred is keeping him strong. And he's, like, shaking him, screaming at him. And then his eyes just, like, go pale, and the dude collapses. On top of the kid, which is yeah. very, you know... Which is a mirror of a that... scene later, too. Oh, yeah. But you'd think that, that cool. like, that would be more of, like... Everything seems to move very quickly in this, and they seem to get yeah. over the fact that, like, a man just died and, like, on top of me. Well, DJ doesn't. DJ's like, DJ, like, calls himself a murderer and is, like, deeply upset by this. Chowder is celebrating. Chowder yeah. is like, fuck yeah, that guy's dead. Hell yeah, dude. Murdered. Um, but, but, uh, DJ is, is broken up about it. And then, um, uh, one thing I don't remember. So the ambulance comes and, mm-hmm. and takes him away. They, they, they're still playing wee-hoo, as though Nevercracker is not dead. And yep. so they're, um, like, they don't play a siren as they're as they're leaving, which is weird because they are actively resuscitating him. It turns out, right? And he ends up being alive, so none of that makes sense. But um, why don't they just go get the ball then? I don't know. I, I mean, I assume that they're kind of shook up at that point. Yeah. So they they have they have the full twenty five minutes or whatever while the, the ambulance is there. Yep. Then then they like try to go for it, and uh, that's when the house wakes up again, right? Yeah, and like. Yeah, I, I forget exactly the uh, the sequence of events here. Yeah, me too. But anyway, at some point, the, the house wakes up and, and tries to eat them, and they freak out, and they, they get out of Dodge. They get back to DJ's house. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when Penny shows up. So they are doing... So this is this is the... Or it's Jenny. And uh, th- this is when they're starting their like observation post, because they, they spend like the entire like six or seven hours observing um, at this point. And I think Z and Jenny have the first interaction because Jenny shows up yeah. and is like selling chocolate. She's trying to sell chocolate and she shows herself to be very canny operator with this type <laughs> of stuff. Right. Uh, which that, yeah, I liked that scene. That was very it was, fun. It was a fun little scene. Um, and so she sells some chocolate for like $20, which if you can get a basketball for 28 and you're selling a handful of chocolate bars for 20, like yeah. damn, making moves, kid. Well, it um, was I'll I'll sell you the I'll sell you $20 of chocolate, write up a receipt for $30 so that you can pocket 10, which is a good deal for everybody, you know. Right. And, I mean, uh, aside from the parents who got ripped yeah. out of ten bucks? But who gives a shit about the parents? They're probably not guys. paying him enough. They, they seem rich. They got fucking dentist money. Yeah. Um. And then what really kicks the kicks it in gear and, and forces the introduction of these two characters, which also sets up sort of the main stakes of the rest of the movie, which I thought was very good, is that Penny starts trotting over to the monster house and mm-hmm. it's like, I'm gonna sell this monster house some chocolate. Um, yep. And it, like, tries to eat her. The two of them save her. This is where we get the scene where the, um, the like, pipes are lifting up the individual yes. slabs of concrete and, like, moving her closer to the mouth of the house. Which is very good. And, so and the, good. um, that long runner carpet that's used as the tongue. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I think, actually, I think there was a scene before this, one where it's, from the uh there was a shot that i really liked that was from 
one of the upstairs wind upstairs windows and it's looking down at them and then a crack comes like up the window and then across like it's cutting dj's head off oh and I that's was like, really good oh i like this that's great um yeah one of the i like that the house is like referenced as having like some features that like um are recognizable as anatomy but it also like sort of plays by its own anatomical rules so to speak right of like the eyes being the windows themselves Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of actual magic in it too that i really like it isn't like this house is literally a living creature it's like this house is attempting to emulate life as much as possible yeah and the whole front of it yeah they kind of make it look like eyes and a mouth and all that which is just good yeah it's cool so Jenny is now fully aware of the fact that this house is in fact a monster and is totally yep. on board with with helping the um with DJ and Chowder. Yep. Uh, and that's when we have the piss bottle scene. The second piss bottle part two. Oh the yeah. The only real mistake here is that they didn't they they had the introduction, the callback, and then there was no fucking payoff. They should have thrown that piss bottle into the, the heart. Into the house. Yeah. Like I almost feel like that scene was written. And then they just they just didn't do it because I... there's also um, if you watch closely, so they never say piss bottles, they say pee bottles, but the uh, the mouth flaps are for piss bottles because they had to change it to get a PG rating. <laughs> so funny. apparently you can't say piss in a PG movie. What's this world coming to? Right. And um, so they are they're devising this sort of harebrained scheme to um, to. Uh, put out the fire in the in the the monster. They 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 go and they consult yeah. with um a, a skull guru, uh skull which what's it? Reginald Skolinski. Um, I just mm-hmm. wrote a note that said this is not how people play video games. He's playing like an arcade cabinet, and his his fingers are way too far from the buttons. Yeah. Well, and um, it's John Hater. John Hater. That's funny. Hater. Uh, there are lots of little bits of in this movie, and this is one of them, where the animation just like goes way harder than it needs to, and I love it. The like oh, yeah. sword sheathing um, motion that he does when he steps back away from the the arcade machine is really they, well yeah, done. Yeah, they give him a lot of action in this scene. Yeah, he's extremely it is, animated. It's functional. It's just a Pope in the pool scene. Like that's exactly right. what it is. Um, the have I explained the Pope in the Pool in the podcast before? I don't think in the podcast, no. Okay, so it's a thing where when you have uh, expositional dialogue happening and it's just going to be boring, then you put a lot of like stuff happening Fanciful. in the background. Yeah. Um, the term comes from uh, the book uh, Save the Cat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and it comes from a, a screenplay... Yeah, oh, I I love that book. Um, I love the audiobook of it. It's it, very conversational style, talking about uh, just structure in movies. But yeah, it comes from a movie where they just had expositional dialogue, and they had to do something, so they set it in the underground pool at the Vatican, so the Pope <laughs> is swimming around while they're doing it, so it's like, there's something going on to keep you engaged rather than just talking heads. Right. And this is a wonderful uh, 
version of version of that yeah where it's like yeah it is just them explaining like here's the concept of our movie here's the thing that they need to do to get rid of it but there's also you know just a lot of funny shit happening at the same time um so he explains that uh which it would make some sense if this guy like played D&D because it sounds like this is what maybe he's referencing. There's the... no fucking way that this character does not play D&D. Right. Like there's no no chance in the world unless he can't get enough people together for it. <laughs> he seemed kind of cool, too. I don't know. Like he seemed yeah. like a legitimately cool dude. Um I, seems I like he'd be notes. great to play D and D with. He literally does. He seems like he's a good, like a good person to hang out with. And he right. also just like takes these children seriously uh, when all the adults in the movie don't, and like answers their question uh, respectfully. And then is also like, "All right, children, goodbye. I have to go do my job now." Yeah, I gotta go deliver pizzas. I like this guy. The end. I'm leaving guy. the movie forever now. Yeah. See ya. Um, the uh, so his his plan is or his his stated thing is you have to you have to kill the you have to destroy the heart which in uh, they mm-hmm. surmise for a house is the hearth um because the fireplace kicks off the minute yeah that, um that nevercracker falls over I I always figured it would like they never mentioned it but I figured it was the pilot light oh right because they said the the actual furnace and yeah. I was thinking but but furnaces don't put smoke out of the chimney. Only fireplaces. Yeah, that's true. But the chimney looked cool. Chimney was cool. So, it was, anyway, it was it also because they don't do that anyway. Yeah, the <laughs> chimney was our um our ventilation port on the Death Star. So it was. Oh, that's true. So they do they do reference it in that way. Anyway, um, which so there was one dumb they... thing there that I'll mention when we get to it. <laughs> uh. They they start concocting a plan for how to deal with it. Um, Chowder's dad owns a pharmacy, and so they hilariously convince him to steal a bunch of cold medicine from his dad's pharmacy, which yeah. is like, I don't know. real. Yeah, that's real sketchy. <laughs> it's real sketchy. Especially, it's a little like um uh, before before the time where everyone sort of knew what that meant, I think. Right. Um, uh, I think there was like at the time that I'd uh, watch this, I'd watch like this in an episode of House where somebody was uh was overdosing on cold medicine in order to uh, uh self-treat their depression and i was like what are they talking about yeah they should have gone deeper they should have been like we're gonna steal a bunch of tape head cleaner and make it puff that so that its anus like <laughs> opens up and- oh my god <laughs> um so that is that's the thing um and then they uh they they start to enact their plan with um, what you described as the second coolest character in the movie, and I totally agree. They make a a dummy, uh, yeah, like a robot dummy out of a vacuum cleaner and the the monster head that Chowder is wearing at the beginning. Yeah, they stuff him full of cough syrup <laughs> <laughs> and just send it forward. <laughs> it, it, I, oh, it has a um. Does it have a boombox on it? Let's say a trick or treat. Oh, I think it does. Yeah, and then a broom is an arm holding a yeah, uh, holding a, a one of the the stereotypical like pumpkin shaped uh, yeah. or jack o' lantern shaped candy container for trick or treating. <laughs> um, the thing I wonder is like what fidelity the house sees in. 
like you know what i mean like it's yeah it's, it's implied and we'll talk about it later that that the house is like actively stupid but i i'm which has some problems but uh i'm very curious what the um what the like literal resolution of its eyes are or like how it perceives things i want them to get more into house lore is what i'm saying yeah well i i also just you know wanted the house to be more of a character than it was yeah, that too. which we'll get into that afterwards uh yeah uh, there's there's a whole letter that you didn't that you have not read yet but i read it oh you did i did yeah i read it after after watching it all right well yeah we was can I get into that, that afterwards um i think it's best to look at that afterwards because that is like yeah yeah you said don't read the... until after you watch yeah so I, I read it after i watched which man it is it is very funny and provides a lot of context. oh yeah um uh they they at this point do this like beautiful unnecessary transition into a polaroid photograph <laughs> uh, yeah to like carry them into the scene i thought that was funny um and then i also made a note that the foley on inflating the little monster head was so good <laughs> you like get the eyes popping out the like the like r- boop boop it was brilliant yeah <clears throat> um and at, right as they are putting their plan into execution, um, the house is, like, ready to, to eat this dude. Like, it is implied mm-hmm. that the house was not previously this aggressive, but is now, like, eat on sight. And uh, then yeah, who shows because up? because Nebercracker's gone. But the, the mitigating factor is gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and of course the cops show up and fuck up everything. I, I don't... I hate these cops, man. Uh, they were kind of funny. But they were they were funny. Um, I I I hate them as characters, which seemed like their goal. You know. What yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. Uh, You're definitely supposed to. Yeah. Um. Uh. Cops show up, fuck up everything, and then is it? One of my notes. He the the cop walks up and takes a sip of the cough medicine, knowing that it is a bottle of cough medicine, and then chugs <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> Which, like, a kid would not understand what was happening there, but I thought was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then once they find out that, that this is full of cough medicine, they, like, throw them in the um in the back of the cop car immediately. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, this is the second time that the cops have been introduced. Um, uh, DJ and Chowder independently have encountered the cops and are basically told to, to screw off earlier in the movie. I forgot about that. Yeah. Stay away from um, the house, basically. Yeah, and so as they're putting their plan into action, it is implied that what these cops have been doing literally all day is sitting out in front of this house waiting for them to fuck with it. Yeah, they're just running laps around this neighborhood. <laughs> or, like, running laps around the suburbs. Yeah. Looking for anyone who looks kind of sketchy, which, yeah, that's... You know, that's what they that do. That is what cops do, yeah. <clears throat> this so then the cops the... decide to fuck with the house. Yeah, before that we get the line of... um. Uh, one of the cops saying that they will shoot children. So that's yeah. like on brand. Because they put their uh, squirt guns down too aggressively. Yeah. God, that's really fucking real, huh? Right. Um, and then the cops decide to fuck with the house for some reason. I can't remember why. Uh, Because I, I think they, like, the kids just like kind of convince them to. Yeah. And um, uh, the, the cop who's very trigger happy um, does like a a like evasive maneuver roll and then starts going around the side of the house mm-hmm. and then a whole tree grabs his gun and it it's it like she kicks off in a way that's very cool right so then after that it's kind of just on 
Yeah. Like they're it, it's they, on for the rest they of the go movie. into the monster house. They uh spent so much time doing this recap. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. they drop into the basement. <laughs> they find out that the house is actually Nebercracker's wife, who was a giant woman from a um from a traveling Rebel. circus show. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then she got rocks hucked at her by kids while they were building the house. This is and one of the things got I don't understand. Concreted into the foundation. The um like Nevercracker is this this apparently extremely nice dude. Blah blah blah. And yeah. um his wife is literally being hit in the head with rocks and he's like, They're just children. What are you doing? Right. They really <laughs> over exaggerate his like being niceness for that like, scene. Like Oh kids kids will be kids. Don't worry about the concussion. Yeah, don't worry like, about the fucking baseball sized rocks flying at your head. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Are you kidding me? And like, what are those children doing out there in the middle of the desert? There's like nobody there. Yeah, that's like yeah, the that's the definitely town. a weird thing because there's absolutely yeah. nothing there. And I, I guess it's been like what fifty, sixty years since then. Forty-five years. He says it. Oh sure. Yeah. So. I guess that's long enough for a suburb to just pop up yeah, around no, I, your I weird house accurate, in the fucking but desert. But why are the children there in the middle of nowhere? Like, yeah. that That's the part that really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe um, they live at like a house a fucking mile away and there's just nothing to do. Right. Which is ostensibly uh, yeah, what makes kids a... little shitheads. Yeah. The um the tiny town that I grew up in would have like teenagers basically ride into it and do vandalisms because it was a tiny town with nobody there and mm-hmm. just like shit to fuck with. So I guess it's accurate, but it, the whole thing is just to set up um uh both the the the, the death of the wife uh, Constance and um her sort of being inscribed being, into the yeah. house itself, entombed well in the foundation of the house. Yeah. Um, and also, notably, it is still Halloween night um, because that is and that becomes like the time that is the most difficult for her going forward for for the ghost of her. Yeah, because kids keep walking up to the house and right. of course, like they're not giving away anything. So kids are going to egg the house or fucking TP it or whatever. So Which is referenced in the beginning as well. Like, yeah um by by the scene with jenny is like you know if you don't give out candy you're gonna get egged i see you don't have any candy mm-hmm. um and uh i believe so she they... calls the house a uh a target with shingles or something <laughs> like that it, it was a very good line that's great so they 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 play that like flashbacks um introducing us to the full full circumstance of the character of the house and then um uh nevercracker um this whole time has been storing explosives with the plan to presumably blow up both himself and the house um, right? to release them both from this hell on earth, um, which is extremely dark. Like, they, yeah, they, uh, he, this is, this is like his this, life doesn't seem that bad. I don't know. It seems pretty bad to me. Like his whole existence is just every single day being terrified that your house is going to kill a child. Like, and and needing to be somebody that you you don't want to be in order to to stop that from happening. Like, goddamn, man, make and, a fence. And no, like, yeah. And this is like, something that I, I wrote in here too: is that like, ma- there's so many. He had so many options that he did not take. He like he 
he had no there's I mean, there's maybe... no fence there's no gate there's no there's a sign that says beware but i guess it gets sucked into the ground because yeah. his wife is just a fundamentally really a horrible person yeah who just wants well, to devour children and i think we can get into the some of the writing from the letter but i i think this is the the biggest problem that i have in the movie is that the the house is treated as truly holy like yes and with no with no redeeming qualities he's lived in this house for 46 years and they haven't had no communication or they've shown no communication other than um like just just the uh just trying to get her to not eat children i mean that's, yeah that's the if we can finish off the plot in like yeah. 30 seconds <laughs> they go in the house they fight they get the explosives the house comes off of its foundation starts chasing them around so uh cool. dj gets uh some dynamite from Nevercracker. swings around on a um on a crane has to toss the dynamite into the uh chimney they have to light the dynamite and then throw it into the chimney the chimney that notably has a fire at the bottom of it yeah (laughs) um just put it in so yeah they do that and then the house explodes and then uh the bunch of people come back uh there is a really still halloween night still halloween night where all the all the kids are coming back and I guess trying to trick or treat at a vacant lot with a big hole in it. Um, well, I think it's implied that they like call some of the kids over because earlier in the movie they find a giant pit of toys of all the stuff that Nevercracker has confiscated mm-hmm. over forty six years, and it seems as though they started calling calling kids over and being like, "Hey, you want some real good shit?" And then like once a, a line of kids form, then it does make sense that they would like sort of um, like it would it would perpetuate itself, right? But yeah, so then they give back all the toys, yeah, and then I guess Nevercracker goes on vacation. Well, I I thought it was implied that he laid down and died in the house. Almost Is it was like an after credit scene that I missed? Because like uh, they you, they mentioned uh, that he was going to like Bermuda or something. No, Chowder was just saying that. Chowder was oh, just optimistically right. saying, "Yeah, he'll go uh, do. He'll whatever. go find he'll... a beach condo." Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was just a house based joke on um on the fact that he can go get a um a different house to fall in love with. Right. Um but he just laid down in the remnants of his house. Um oh, there is one other one other thing that happens. Um they're like in this giant quarry pit fighting the the monster and it like falls down and gets crushed up and then they do a whole second redesign for the house where it pulls itself together out of the scraps and pure hatred. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that was um, really cool. But uh so yeah, yeah but that's, that's visually cool, but yeah, let's but, get into this letter which yes. do we do we want to read the whole thing or I don't think so. Let's just post it in the show notes and and reference some of the the things about it. Yeah, it's, it's so quite long. uh one of the writers on this, there there are two story by credits and three writing credits. The story by credits uh, who are also get writing credits are dan Harmon and rob schraub dan Harmon, you'd probably know from writing on community seasons one two three and five rick and morty um uh he has another upcoming cartoon that's going to be on fox that's based on greek stuff rob mm-hmm. schraub wrote on um all of the lego movies oh i actually didn't know that that's cool yeah 
Um, I believe that's his that's his big credit. Uh, uh, he's done that's pretty big Rick and Morty too. Um, right. Oh, they both wrote on the Sarah Silverman program together, but that was that was uh, yeah, that was like their next job after this. So um, the the letter that they received is one from uh, a, a younger person, basically writing. Um, to say that this is the scariest shit and like lives in their mind. Yeah, this it, it was from the mother. Yeah, yeah, of a child who was very freaked out, specifically by the fact that this house is so evil. That the house in this movie is irredeemably evil. Like she, um, like suffers, uh, like a like this this attack by children, and then decides that the response to that is to kill children forever for the next 40 years yeah so dan Harmon writes this very long letter that's basically about how hey we we had the story by credits we had the writing credits but then they changed the story from underneath us because obviously you know producers really like to you know fuck with stories because (laughs) they apparently believe that they're creatives despite the fact that all that they do is just pump money into things and get money out uh that the creators can't do their jobs and write a good story yeah um and yeah he he had a big problem with the same thing um he calls gil keenan the director a hack calls uh (laughs) steven spielberg a moron which is hilarious (laughs) pretty pretty awesome call (laughs) it's really good and um yeah, he's like he's just like genuinely very upset about the way that this is portrayed and also the way that it affected people. Um, and one of the things that I he doesn't talk about specifically, but is sort of implied that I wish he talked more specifically is that the portrayal of this woman of Constance is just awful. Like, yeah, um, all, way, all she does is like she's in a fucking cage and then this guy just falls in love with her and she's like, oh, take me away. And he. Which takes implies, her away and then she's just like kind of an asshole for the one scene that she fucking exists in yeah and it's terrible because like it, it implies a lot of things about the character and also of the of the situation i remember being a kid and like really not understanding um the like circus performer lifestyle either and how that is like a choice that is like something that people work for and like build a uh like build a legitimate career out of and are yeah um is like not at all a the way that it's constructed in the film to be this um like 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 slavery crap. basically yeah yeah exactly and it's fucked up man like that's legitimately fucked up the the yeah the portrayal of that is super nasty there's just no like that's kind of gross and then yeah you basically have the only scene where you're supposed to sympathize with this person is when she's getting tomatoes hucked at her right and then is, I guess when she's getting rocks hucked at her too. So why would you go to see a giantess and then be like, "Damn, this is not what I wanted or expected," and I'm going to react violently to it? Uh, I mean, that's just kind of the way that people are. <laughs> where, Damn it! Where right. it's just like, "Oh, I'm going to go see this thing that upsets me and huck stuff at it." Damn, you're right though. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dan. Dan closes out the letter being like, um. This movie upsets you uh, and upsets your older child because um, it's bad and it hurts people and it has portrayals of people that hurt people and it portrays the world 
as an unsolvable, terrifying thing. And I'm so sorry that that's the experience. And uh, just remember that the writer of it told you that it sucks. Yep. And go watch Wally. And go watch Wally. <laughs> I heard I that Wally good. is very good. <laughs> Which Wally's pretty good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is very good. Uh, and then this movie gets nominated for an Oscar because that's just kind of how Spielberg worked on it. I, yeah, that's kind of just how an, the animated film Oscars work is yeah. whatever, you know, you're going to get maybe 10 movies put out. And, and this is 2006, so it's even less than that. But you're going to get 10 major studio pictures put out and yeah. you just get like, oh, all right, well, here's your your Leica nomination, here's your DreamWorks nomination, here's your Disney nomination. Um, Enjoy. Yeah. The one that won this year was uh, Happy Feet, by the way, which I still... uh, Yeah, the nominees are Happy Feet, Cars, and Monster House, which I haven't seen Happy Feet, Feet. but... People loved that movie when it came out. I mean, I I still really want to see it just because I'm baffled by george miller making i don't think it. it's interesting I, that's truly strange i don't think it's actually interesting enough to do a full episode on but maybe no 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 i want to watch it though yeah just watch it for me yeah um yeah i, we, I mean we, i'm glad that it beat cars because that one just man yeah <laughs> it's the worst pixar so bad um yeah any any final thoughts on this movie i it's a good concept and it has very good and fun animation and all of that but yeah there are these fundamental screenplay problems with it which yeah basically comes up in like act two and act three if it feels like they left act one alone and then did a rewrite for act two and act three truly fucked it up yeah yeah that said it's still pretty good it's still pretty good yeah just um yeah just it has it has some obvious flaws Uh, if you can sort of not even necessarily work around those flaws, but just like as you do with media all the time, enjoy them despite the flaws. Probably have a good time. Yeah. It's a good movie. So that's Monster House. And then next up, uh, we're continuing with our monster theme because these uh, should be coming out in October. October. Uh, we're going to do Mad Monster Party, which I I'm very excited recently found out exists it's a rankin bass stop motion halloween movie (laughs) and it was the thing i was thinking about when i was like i wish that this shit was claymation right oh also it's notable that this is the first uh cg movie that we've done the first 3d animated movie oh it is yeah that we've done and yeah that one's gonna be the first stop motion one that we've done although yeah we there were a lot of uh cg ones in the um the oscar nominated one yeah yeah but but uh yeah thanks thanks for joining us and yep. see you next week next time mad monster party thanks so much for listening y'all big thanks to the composer of our theme miles morkery and to bernadette meeker the artist for our thumbnail we're on twos pod on twitter.com our website is on twos.club you're the best good night good night <laughs>